the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. History has clearly shown that Christ is required to overcome the natural tendency of powerful forces to destroy God-given rights, including the right to hear and speak His truth. Welcome to Biblical Citizen, Let's Roll, with Kathleen and Brian Milanakis. Kathleen is an author and retired registered nurse, and her husband Brian is a former company president. Kathleen and Brian are here to discuss current events from a biblical worldview and how we as believers can be salt and light in our culture and in the political arena. Biblical Citizen Let's Roll seeks to educate and activate Christians at the grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Now, here are your hosts, Kathleen and Brian Melanakis on K-Praise. Merry Christmas, Biblical Citizens. Brian and I hope you are celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ with joy. Why is Christmas the most wonderful time of the year? Well, there are many reasons, but of course they can all be summed up in one word, Jesus. It's hard to even begin to do justice to the real significance of Jesus coming into the world. The temptation nowadays is not only to commercialize Christmas, but also to trivialize it. No! The incarnation of Christ is the most significant event in all of history, surpassed only by the greater event of the resurrection. To help us realize the significance of Christmas today, we are going to consider the question, what if Jesus had never been born? Probably the most classic film for the Christmas season that a lot of people watch every year is It's a Wonderful Life, that movie with Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed. The premise of the story, as most of you know, is that the hero, George Bailey, he's shown through supernatural means what the world have been like, what it, what the world would have been like had he never been born. The pharmacist that he saved from poisoning would have died. His wife would have become a lonely old maid. The tyrannical miser of the town, Mr. Potter, would have taken over all of Bedford Falls and turned it into nothing but casinos and bars instead of lively shops and family homes, had not George Bailey been there doing the good that he did. So we're going to go over the book by D. James Kennedy that is actually entitled, What If Jesus Had Never Been Born? We're going to share a little bit of that with you today. It's an excellent book, and we highly recommend it. Some of you listeners may remember when we interviewed J. Warner Wallace, the former detective whose life changed when he heard a pastor say, Jesus was the smartest person who ever lived. And that got Warner to on a path of investigation. He found that not only was Jesus the smartest person who ever lived, but he was the person who had the most impact on the world who ever lived. And we explored with him, Mr. Wallace, some of the ways that Jesus impacted the arts, literature, and culture, But let's look further at just a few of the ways that Jesus massively changed the world. Jesus said on the cross, I am making all things new. 
And his birth, his life, the resurrection, it did that. And he continues to make things new, leading at the end of time to a new heavens and a new earth. And one of the most fundamental things that he did to make all things new, to make things new, was change people's attitudes about the very value of life itself. He taught the sanctity of life, that we are made in the image of God. This concept changed so many other things, because much of history, of, for much of the history of the world, life was cheap. Wars were constant. Absolute rulers had absolute power, including fathers. They had despotic control over their wives and children and could order that babies or children be exposed, which meant they were set out to die, and they could decide this at will. Christianity basically stopped barbaric practices like that, like infanticide and child sacrifice, and it eventually brought an end to brutal entertainments like public killings, like gladiators fighting to the death, people literally being fed to lions for entertainment. Because of Jesus, countless lives have been transformed from liabilities into assets to society. And we've all seen people be transformed. Out of this brings so many changes for the better for society. Jesus helped people see the dignity of work itself. And this led to the elevation of the common man. It wasn't looked down upon anymore, those who were doing what was considered common work. Yes, and Jesus raised the status of women. He always treated women with respect and as persons of value, not as inferior beings to be pushed around as was traditional. Jesus taught the sanctity of marriage and the family and sex, which has helped to preserve the human race. And the dignity of work has led to the idea of free markets, free exchange of goods, and more prosperity. This attitude of human dignity eventually led to the abolishment of slavery, which was rampant everywhere. More than 50% of the population was, were slaves. But it led to the abolishment of it and the establishment of civil liberties and government of the people, by the people, and for the people. Do you know that before Jesus, the widespread practice was contempt for the poor? Widows and orphans typically became destitute. They were sold into slavery oftentimes, even in Israel where the leaders professed not to believe in that, but often it was the practice anyway. Jesus changed this attitude toward widows, orphans, and the poor. He inspired charity towards others and the Good Samaritan ethic. And in the centuries since, Christians have taken the initiative in setting up orphanages, safe houses, charities for the poor. Christ taught, it is our sacred duty to help those less fortunate than ourselves. And what about the attitude towards the sick. Jesus went all around the country healing the sick. The sick used to be seen as burdens and were often left to die or become beggars. There are many examples of that in the Bible. Lepers were untouchable and were the outcasts of society. Jesus healed lepers, touching them with love. He made blind men see, he made lame men walk, and he freed people that were made mentally ill by demons. Christians ever since have had compassion on the sick and have cared for them as a sacred duty. 
Christians are the ones who, who began hospitals, for one example. Another example of an exceptional person who, who helped the sick and, and established the pattern for others to do that was Florence Nightingale in the 19th century. She gave up her comfortable upper-class life to go to faraway battlefields to care for wounded soldiers, and I've always admired her a lot. It's been Christians who have spread literacy and education for the masses. Martin Luther taught that common people should be able to read the Bible in their own language as an example, and this led to the movement for widespread literacy. The Puritans always stressed that people should be able to read the Bible themselves and taught the children to do so, against government edicts not to, and that was a major reason why the Puritans fled England to come to the New World. Kennedy, the author of this book, and others argue that we would not have modern science without the Christian worldview that spawned it. Yes, Aristotle in 450 B.C. started the empirical observation and categorization that were the underpinnings of science, but it did not take hold in a Buddhist culture, because why improve reality when you believe that the goal is to escape it? Same thing with the worldview of Islam. The Arabs had the writings of Aristotle all throughout the Middle Ages, but their fatalistic religion prevented science from really flowering in their culture. It wasn't until the Renaissance and the convergence with the Protestant Reformation that science began to flourish, Kennedy argues. That's a giant topic that is well worth exploring for those of you who are curious about it. And look at the effect that Jesus had on the civilizing of many barbarian and primitive cultures throughout Europe, for example. The Franks, the Germanic tribes, the Anglo-Saxons, the Vikings. For instance, the Vikings were constantly attacking and raiding the more productive peoples in history. Others lived in terror of the Vikings because they were fierce and warlike and they caused cruel destruction upon many peoples all around, even throughout the Mediterranean, all the way around Europe. They saw monks and monasteries as prey, but they were eventually transformed by Christ and his gospel themselves. And, you know, one other thing, what about the codifying and setting to writing of many of the world's languages? The development of art and architecture and music, inspiration for the greatest works of art, All these are because Jesus has been making all things new, as he said. And this isn't even to mention Jesus' magnificent greatest gift of all, the salvation of countless souls into eternal life and the chance to live with him in heaven. Also, have you ever stopped to think that without Jesus we would not know the purpose of life? We would be confused or think that life is only to pursue empty pleasures or we would seek happiness in things that can never give us happiness. And I have to admit, that's how I was before I found the answers to my questions about the purpose of life in Jesus. The purpose of life is to glorify God who made us and enjoy him forever and to learn to love from the great teacher of love, Jesus Christ, the Lord of all the earth. Without Jesus, as C.S. Lewis famously said, Life on earth would be always winter, but never Christmas. And also, there wouldn't be any eternal life to look forward to, would there? To look forward to with joy. He was born in an obscure village 
the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another obscure village where he worked as a carpenter until he was 30. For three brief years, he was an itinerant preacher, spreading a message. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never raised an army. He never went to college or owned a home or had a family of his own. He never traveled more than 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He gathered a little group of friends about him and taught them his way of life. He was only 33 when the tide of popular feeling turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. Another betrayed him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves, and while dying, his executioners gambled for his garments, the only property he had on earth. When dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the kindness of a friend. And yet 10, 20 centuries later, 20 centuries later have come and gone, and today he is the central figure of the human race, all the armies that ever marched, all the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of man on earth as much as that one solitary life. We'll be right back with a Christmas story written by Leo Tolstoy, Papa Panoff's Christmas. There is more Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Still to come on K-Praise. Welcome back to Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Now, here are your hosts, Kathleen and Brian Melanakis on K-Praise. So now I'm going to read, it's a very special classic Christmas story by Leo Tolstoy. It's called Papa Panov's Special Christmas, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. It was Christmas Eve, and although it was still afternoon, lights had begun to appear in the shops and houses of the little Russian village, for the short winter day was nearly over. Excited children scurried indoors, and only muffled sounds of chatter and laughter escaped from behind the closed shutters. Old Papa Panov, the village shoemaker, stepped outside his shop to take one last look around. The sounds of happiness, the bright lights, and the faint but delicious smells of Christmas cooking reminded him of past Christmases when his wife had still been alive and his own children were young. Now they had gone, his usually cheerful face with the little laughter wrinkles behind the round steel spectacles now looked sad. He stepped back into his shop, closed the shutters, set a pot of coffee to heat on the stove, and with a sigh, he settled into his big armchair. Papa Panov did not often read, but tonight he pulled down the big old family Bible. He turned the pages to the birth of Jesus and slowly began tracing the lines with his forefinger. He read how Mary and Joseph, tired by their journey to Bethlehem, found no room for them at the inn so that Mary's little baby was born in a stable. Oh dear, exclaimed Papa Panoff, if they had only come here, I would have given them my bed, and I could have covered the baby with my patchwork quilt. He read on about the wise men who came to see the baby Jesus, bringing him splendid gifts. Papa Panoff's face fell. 
I have no gift like that that I could give him. But then his face brightened. He put down the Bible, got up, stretched his arms to the shelf in the little room, and he pulled down a small dusty box and opened it. Inside the box was a perfect pair of tiny leather shoes. Papa Papa Panoff smiled with satisfaction. Yes, they were as good as he had remembered, the best shoes he'd ever made. I should give him those, he decided, as he gently put them away and sat down again. He was starting to feel tired, and the further he read, the sleepier he got. The print began to dance before his eyes, so he closed them for just a minute. But in no time, Papa Panov was fast asleep. He dreamed that someone was in his room, and he knew at once, as one does in dreams, who the person was. It was Jesus. You have been wishing that you could see me, Papa Panov, Jesus said kindly. Then look for me tomorrow. It will be Christmas Day, and I will visit you. But look carefully, for I shall not tell you who I am. When Papa Panov awoke, the bells were ringing out and a thin light was filtering through the shutters. Bless my soul, said Papa Panov. It's Christmas Day. He stood up and stretched. Then his face filled with happiness as he remembered his dream. This would be a very special Christmas, for Jesus was coming to visit him. But how would he look? Would he be a little baby, like that first Christmas? Would he be a grown man? Would he be a carpenter? Or would he be the great king that he was as God's son? Papa Panoff thought to himself, he must watch carefully the whole day. He put on a special pot of coffee for his Christmas breakfast. He opened the shutters and looked out the window. The street was deserted. No one was stirring yet. No one except the road sweeper that he saw every day. The man looked as miserable and as dirty as ever. Whoever wanted to work on Christmas morning in such a cold and freezing mist? Papa Panoff opened the shop door. He said, come in. Come in and have some hot coffee to keep out of the cold. The sweeper looked up, scarcely able to believe his ears. He was only too glad to put down his broom and come into the warm room. His old clothes steamed gently in the heat of the stove, and he clasped both red hands round the comforting warm mug as he drank. Papa Panov watched him with satisfaction, but every now and then his eyes strayed to the window. It would never do to miss the special visitor. Expecting someone? the sweeper asked at last. So Papa Panov told him about his dream. Well, I hope he comes. You've given me a bit of Christmas cheer I never expected to have. I'd say you deserve to have your dream come true. And the sweeper smiled. When he'd gone, Papa Panov put him some cabbage soup for his supper and went to the door again, scanning the street. He saw no one. But he was mistaken. Someone was coming. It was a girl walking slowly and quietly. It was a while before Papa Panov noticed her. The girl looked very tired. She was carrying something. As she drew nearer, he could see that it was a baby wrapped in a thin shawl. There was a lot of sadness in her face. And in the pinched little face of the baby, Papa Panov's heart went out to them. Won't you come in, he said, stepping outside to meet them. You both need to warm by the fire. The young mother let him shepherd her indoors into the comfort of the armchair. She gave a big sigh of relief. I'll warm some milk for the baby, Papa Panov said. 
I've had children of my own, you know. I can feed her for you. He took the milk from the stove and carefully fed the baby from a spoon, warming her tiny feet by the stove at the same time. She needs shoes, the cobbler said. The girl replied, I cannot afford shoes. I have no husband to bring home money. I'm on my way to the next village to get work. A sudden thought flashed through Papa Panov's mind. He remembered the little shoes he'd looked up at last night, but he'd been keeping those for Jesus. He looked again at the cold little feet and he made up his mind. Try these on her, he said, handing the baby and the shoes to the mother. The beautiful little shoes were a perfect fit. The girl smiled happily, and the baby gurgled with pleasure. You have been so kind to us, the girl said. She then stood up with her baby and said, May all your Christmas wishes come true. But Papa Panov was beginning to wonder if his very special Christmas wish would come true. Perhaps he had missed his visitor? He looked anxiously up and down the street. There were plenty of people around, but they were all faces he recognized. There were neighbors going to call on their families. They nodded and smiled and wished him Happy Christmas. There were beggars, and Papa Panov hurried inside to fetch them hot soup and a generous hunk of bread. He hurried out again so he wouldn't miss the important stranger. All too soon the winter dusk fell. When Papa Panov next went to the door and strained his eyes, he could no longer make out the passers-by. It was getting too dark, and most of the people were home by now. He walked slowly back into his room, closed the shutters, and sat down wearily in his armchair. So it has been just a dream after all, he thought to himself. Jesus has not come. Then all at once... He knew that he was no longer alone in the room, and he knew it wasn't a dream because he was still wide awake. Suddenly, he saw a long stream of people coming towards him. He then recognized the road sweeper. He recognized the young mother and her baby, and he saw the beggars he had fed. As they passed by him, each whispered, "'Didn't you see me, Papa Panov?' Bewildered, he called out to each of them, Who are you? Then another voice answered him. It was the voice from his dream. It was the voice of Jesus. I was hungry, and you fed me, Jesus said. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was cold, and you warmed me. I came to you today, and every one of those you helped and welcomed. Then all was quiet and still, only the sound of the clock ticking in the background. But a great peace and happiness seemed to fill the whole room and overflowing Papa Panov's heart until he wanted to burst out singing and laughing and dancing with joy. Papa Panov smiled and said, So he did come, after all. I just love that story. Just keep that in mind. And to bless your neighbor this week and every week, Look for opportunities and blessings to be a Papa Panoff to someone in need. May you be a blessing to others and serve the Lord. Merry Christmas.
Thanks for joining us for Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Join us next week at this same time as Kathleen Melanakis, author and retired registered nurse, and her husband, Brian Melanakis, former company president, explore the deeper issues and spiritual forces behind the news and how we as believers can be salt and light in our culture and in the political arena. Biblical Citizen Let's Roll seeks to educate and activate Christians at the grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Next week, we will cover more major news happening from the view of the biblical citizen. To learn more about the show, how to become a guest or sponsor, send an email to biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. That's biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. This has been Biblical Citizen. Let's roll on K-Praise. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.